I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby dooby dooby doo wop. Pastor Rand, Laura, wake up. Good morning. Welcome to our daily Bible study. Good morning. We are in Galatians. Today we're on chapter 2. Yep. Let's get started right away. Okay. Paul accepted by the apostles. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated the ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. Should I go on or stop up after that paragraph? Let me think here. I did did have a question and then I kept reading. Um... Oh, verse 2. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. Okay. What revelation is he talking about? Just him, just the revelation of being spoken to by Jesus while he was in all those places, or is this He received, it seems that he received new revelations, that he multiple times uh, received more revelations from the Lord or was told to do different things. For example, he has that dream of the man to go to to Macedonia and then the spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow him to enter there. So there are multiple times he receives revelations and if he receives something then he's going to go and talk to the leaders of the church because is this gonna... revelation about circumcision? Maybe it seems to have something to do with that. Okay. So, Timothy, have we did we talk about Timothy in Acts? Not really, no. But he's not mentioned here. Are you talking about Titus? Was oh, that who was talking about Titus? Yeah. I'm sorry. Got to wake up. Yeah. Um, what? A, then he did this privately, um, and then the the line for fear that I was running or had had run my race in vain. Meaning, like he was wasting his time. Yeah, he he wants to compete. In a sense, he wants to do all he can for the Lord while he is here and continue to exert his energy to the best of his ability until he crosses the finish line and is in heaven. And he doesn't want to just spend energy for nothing. I mean, I I could do that at church. I could spend a lot of energy for nothing. Yeah. And just be busy. But our goal as Christians is not just to be 
busy, it's to continue to advance the message of the gospel throughout the world and build and grow and strengthen the church. Mm -hmm. So then he talks about Titus was not... Wait. I might have misread this when we first read it. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. Yeah, so there's oh, so a... So he was not compelled to be circumcised. Mm-mm. Right. Because... And then the Judaizers, we talked about yesterday, that was the group that was pushing that everybody be circumcised. Again, yes. Not again. Or, not yet, yeah, not again. <laughs> but, but going back to the old laws. But Paul, we did talk about this with Acts, in Timothy that even though Timothy was not circumcised, Paul did circumcise him because he didn't want him as a leader to be a stumbling block to other people listening to his message. Mm -hmm. However, now at this point, we did not give in to them for a moment. Yeah, because they're, they're being legalistic. They're saying... If you want to be a Christian, if you want your sins to be forgiven, then you need to do this. And he's going to talk about that in Romans, but that's what stops a gift from being a gift. If you have to do something, and especially something as... We'll just say, if you have to circumcise yourself in order to have the love of Christ then it really no longer is a gift. You pay for it. You have some kind of work to receive it. So Paul's standing up against that and preaching the gospel that he knows. So this is a continuation of his explanation. He started um, in chapter 1. So if you are listening to this podcast and you didn't listen to yesterday's, probably go back and read chapter 1 or listen to ours discussion yesterday but he said there were false leaders basically or Mm -hmm. people coming in and misleading them and the Judaizers were causing problems and then he's explaining that he has the truth from God and that's where we're at now he's still explaining his journey and now he's starting to talk more specifically about these Mm -hmm. people okay so continuing on Verse 6, as for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. Hmm, who do you think he's talking about? I I think he's talking about the Judaizers, isn't he? Oh, okay, I didn't know. Because before he said... It was I talking about talked fo- privately to those who seemed to be leaders, and that, I mean, you would think he'd be he'd go and talk to like Peter and John and like. Well, you could also be talking about those false brothers, oh. those the spies, the that leaders snuck of in. the Judaizers. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those men added nothing to my message. Verse seven. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. 
for God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, they, this is where they kind of like agree to work together, but to do different ministries. Yeah, so Peter realizes that his real strength in ministry is dealing with the Jewish people. And Paul, even though he is just as, well, I won't say just as well-trained, but yeah, just as well-trained, being trained by Christ, being the Pharisee, he realizes that God has sent him to the uh, Gentiles. So Peter's commission really would be after Jesus rose from the dead, he talks to Peter and uh three times says, Peter, do you love me? And then he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. So, you know, these, these sheep of Israel, this is your calling. You're supposed to take care of these people. And the Apostle Paul, you're supposed to be this light to the Gentiles. So there are different callings that we receive, and not everyone is sent to be a missionary in Africa. Not everyone is sent to be a missionary in Sparks. Where we focus on the area that God has set before us, the people that we know, and we do our best to support the rest of the ministries around the world. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them more or less important. We just we serve as we can. Yeah, and then what about verse 10? All they asked was we should continue to remember the poor. I mean, they have to do other things, too. Well, I think what this is... Like, preach. (laughs) Yeah, this is... I don't have a lot of proof of this. This is what comes to my head. That he's talking about the poor who are in Jerusalem. So... Earlier in the beginning of Acts, when he talks about the the distribution of food to the widows, which is why they hire this, or not hire, they appoint the seven others mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, they are taking care of the people in their church that do need physical things. And... Because back then they didn't have a social security system. Mm-hmm. And if a older woman left her family for Christianity, it could be that her family cut her off from any kind of support. So to remember them, and it seems that on at least one of Paul's missionary journeys, he, I think it's the second, he returns to, back to Jerusalem with this large gift that he has collected throughout the different churches that he visits and brings back to Jerusalem to support Mm -hmm. the impoverished people there. 
Yeah, okay. So not just when you go to a new city, take care of their poor, but also collect money to bring back to the poor that are here in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Going on, verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that our, we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died in the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and that, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Ooh, that was quick to read, but a lot in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first paragraph, verses 11 through 13. Mm-hmm saying basically that Peter was kind of doing what Peter or um, Paul was doing, preaching and eating with Gentiles. But then when people from the circumcision group, which is the um, Judaizers, came, he acted like he was doing something else. Yeah, and it was the old Jewish customs where you did not eat with people who were outside of your... The, the Jewish faith. You didn't share a meal with them, with people who were uncircumcised. Mm-hmm. And so Paul acts a different way. and No, Peter. Or Peter acts a different way. So if you're a leader of the church, you should be doing what you believe the gospel clearly says. And if he believes that yes, we should be eating with the Gentiles and doing this, then he should have stood up to this group of people and said, this is what I'm doing, and you were in the wrong. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, he refuses to do it. And that allows them to continue on in their sin. When it says that Barnabas was led astray, does that mean that Barnabas started acting like a Judaizer? It might have been just that Barnabas didn't go to dinner mm. with these friends as well. So, yeah, Paul calls him out. And this is a case that if a leader of the church sins publicly, 
then there is public rebuke of them because they're they need to be shown their sin and then they can repent and move on so that other people don't go oh whatever happened to that and there's confusion so paul calls them out publicly in front of everybody else and he makes this beautiful point that what we know is that we are not justified by works of and here in the NIV it says the law but really in the Greek it's just of law just general mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter what rule you follow in your life not doing or not doing anything is not going to get you the justification from our God, but we're only saved through faith mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. What else did you see in here that was... Well, I have a note in my Bible. This is a note from the publisher, not that I wrote in, but it says verses 15 through 21. Mm-hmm. It was probably a narrative section and not part of Paul's statement to Peter. And it says some interpreters end the quotation after verse 14. So hmm. possibly the second two or those two paragraphs are just, you know, like let part of a letter to them, not things he said. Do you get that from your greek or how does i don't know does the greek, well, the greek doesn't have quotation, quotation marks. marks so how do you figure out when he stops talking to it would just be context i mean there is there's that question mark there that's put in later because the original greek text does not have it wouldn't have had cap or lowercase letters and it wouldn't have had punctuation it's just a big long list so uh a lot of times when there is a break in a thought there's a word that is used and it's just a it's debt it's well in english it's but but here you go <laughs> but, but 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 uh in Greek sometimes the the but is not translated it just symbolizes that this is a new thought or this is a new section or this is a new sub point that we are moving on with and verse 15 doesn't have something like that I don't know how relevant it is though because either he said this to Peter in person or he wrote it but either way, he would have had this discussion with Peter and talked to him about it. It would have been part of his argument. Right. It, but I, I mean, I could not, it sounds like it could be just directed to the people in Galatia because it says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and Gentile sinners is in, like, little quotes there, too. He's saying, like, anyone who was raised in the Jewish faith knows that man is not justified by observing the law, 
So why would he say that to Peter? He would have said, if he was talking directly to Peter, he would say, since you are a Jew by birth, you know, you know, and he would be using more direct language. Possibly. I don't know. Or if he's in public and in a big group of other Jews along with Barnabas and these other people. Right. You know, saying, listen, this is... It's not clear and it's not that important, but it's just a note that it could be Mm -hmm. read either way. Like, this was either said directly to Peter and applies to us all, or he wrote it to the Galatians and applies to us all. (laughs) So, anyway. Yeah, but um, it is just, it's a beautiful section for any time you're thinking to yourself... I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's grace. Why would God love me? You can just read this and say, oh, well, God loves me, not because I follow the law, but just because of grace. Or if you're talking to someone that goes to a church that really stresses what you do for God rather than what God does for you, This is a great place to point them. And it doesn't excuse our actions of sin. I mean, this is right on the heels of Paul rebuking Peter. Mm -hmm. However, it's this is the foundation of our faith. The cornerstone of our faith is Jesus Christ, not us. So that's what he builds off of and then says, if that's what you know, Act that way. Don't go back to these Jewish customs that you used to have. Don't make most of the world feel like they're not in a real group of Christianity. And don't create these tiers. You know, you don't want first-class Christians and second-class Christians. That's not how Christianity works. It's not the Jews and then the Gentiles. Um, right, it's everybody. grace is free for all... And you, but they say, but you have to do this to be in our club, or you have to pay this, or mm-hmm. you have to do the secret ceremony, or you know, if there's any sort of if or you have to do this, then it's not free grace anymore. Mm-hmm. It's something that you are proving either your worth or your willingness or something like that and uh, yeah that's what the last verse of this chapter for if righteousness could be gained through the law Christ died for nothing Mm -hmm. so the reason Jesus died is we can't do this it didn't matter who was the most godly person in the history of all history you know they didn't they didn't live perfectly and if they could make up for it by works or prayers or money gifts or whatever then then god would have just said well everyone needs to try harder you know what i mean but since it's impossible he sent jesus it's just kind of rhetorical like not rhetorical but if this was the case, Christ died for nothing. Well, Jesus died, and all your works are basically for nothing. Mm-hmm. Jesus' work is, we say, substitutionary. So the entire life of Christ, from conception until death, 
that is what God will see you as when you go to heaven. All of those who have faith in Jesus Christ when he looks at you sees an absolutely perfect life and all of that is credited to us even though our works are all I think Isaiah says is filthy rags this perfect life that Jesus has for us so if you start to say yes I ex or I have the entire life of Jesus as my own he is my substitute all the way but also I want God to look at this work and this work at this work and that makes me elevated in god's sight especially above someone else mm. then no longer you are you're no longer just living in this humble thankfulness for christ's love you're starting to take on yourself that i deserve jesus more than someone else because of what i do and that's really dangerous it alienates other people from Christ and it alienates you from Christ because you start to push yourself away from his works and you start to make other people feel inferior to receive his works. Yeah, and it's also like a gateway to selfish pride where you think that you what you do is important or you are great or that you are capable and... Selfishness is like the root of all sin. It's putting yourself before others, putting yourself before God, and, um, you know, kind of making yourself your own God. Like, I've done a little bit to save myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a savior, you know? And that's dangerous, too. Yeah, and there's... This is going to constantly creep into the church, this legalism that you have to do things this way in order to really be a Christian and it can turn itself in so many things whenever we add laws to what God tells us to do mm-hmm. then we fall this and then the other extreme is people rebel against that and they take away things that the Bible clearly says and ignore things that the Bible tells us. So we have to stay in the middle road of always checking ourselves by God's word. And that is what Peter does. He re- or Paul does for Peter. He calls Peter back to the teachings that Christ has taught to him. That only through Jesus, that's how we see the Father. Not through what you do. So maybe this will be answered in a different book, but I'm looking ahead at tomorrow, chapter 3. It says, faith or, or observance of the law, and it starts with, you foolish Galatians, and goes on and on with like a sermon towards the Galatians. Whatever happens with Peter? Does Peter say, oh, you're right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's not really uh, have any closure in this section. Just says he he yells at Peter, and then he kind of goes on with his thing. Well, Peter does. Peter agrees. Agrees, repents. I wasn't And is forgiven. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Great. Great for him. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the end of Chapter 2, and we will get into Chapter 2 next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye.